I would be remiss if I didn't say welcome this morning. Uh, and, and for all of our new In Covenant folks, we are so excited to be able to do life with you, and uh, I'm excited to get to know you well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, due to um, what we can do this morning, uh, we are going to continue quickly and swiftly in the series of uh, rehearsing the gospel. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. John chapter 17. This is uh, Jesus' uh, interaction with his disciples as, uh, as they are beginning the process of understanding that Jesus is not going to be with them much longer. Uh, which is referred to really as the upper room discourse. And so from John 17, we'll be looking specifically this morning at verses 6 through 26. Um, this morning we get to discuss um, prayers of the people. This is, this is part of our liturgy that we, that we get to experience every week. And, and the value of prayers of the people is that really it is intercessory prayer for uh, God's people to him. And so we're really going to be looking at and discussing what intercessory prayer is um, this morning. It should be no surprise that if you have you've seen, uh, interacted with folks with, uh, that come from different backgrounds and religious beliefs, or even if you've turned on the TV, that prayer itself is, is a common uh, theme, common occurrence in many different religions around the world. Uh, whether that be Buddhist monks praying, whether that be uh, Muslims bowing down to Mecca and praying, we see images of prayer consistently um, in front of us. Uh, and, and so prayer, though, uh, although familiar, is completely different, I believe, for the, the Christian. Uh, the difference is, if we ask the question, what makes prayer different for the Christian, is, is this is that we pray to the God that hears. We pray to the God that hears. We know this because God has revealed himself as the God who hears. I'm, I'm reminded of the story in 1 Kings where Elijah is on Mount Carmel. And he's standing there, and across from him are the prophets of Baal. And if you're familiar with this, with this, this, this situation, Elijah is, is confronting the prophets of Baal to reveal the fact that Baal is no God at all. They put together these sacrifices, these stones, this bull, this, uh, this, this sacrifice to Baal, and, and, and Elijah basically says to them, pray that, that your God would ignite this fire and that the, that the sacrifice would be consumed. And so time passes. They're praying, they're wailing, they're cutting themselves. Elijah, I love Elijah's uh, almost sense of humor here. He says, is your, is your God asleep? Is he, is he busy? Is he too busy for you to listen? Uh, some would even say that he, that he kind of references, is your, is your God in the restroom? Can he not be bothered right now? Nothing happens. The sacrifice sits. And Elijah's sacrifice is built, and water is poured upon it, so much so that, that it pools up around the sacrifice. And Elijah prays. 
And because he prays to the God who hears and who speaks and who acts in his speech, fire falls from heaven. The sacrifice and everything around it is consumed. This is the God we pray to. This is the God that we intercede to, the God who speaks, the God who acts. And so today, as we look at this, let us begin our time by praying to the God who hears. Let's pray. Father, you, you hear our prayers. You are not distant, but you are present. You hear the cries of your people. You hear our hearts. You hear our thoughts. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for, for translating our groanings into prayers to the Father. Lord, this morning, may we honor you with our time, our hearts, our concentration, as we focus in on this so very important practice of prayer. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. In Christ's saving work, he made a way for us to know and to be known by our Heavenly Father. One of the ways he makes this possible is through prayer, specifically intercessory prayer, which is why we, as we progress through this series of rehearsing the gospel, we come to prayers of the people and so I would like for us to kind of look at one of the things that Robert Weber says about prayer. Public prayer refers to the total worship experience from its beginning to its end. The kind of worship I refer to is a prayer in the world for the world. The whole act of worship says, God, we are here to remember your story and to pray that the whole world, the entire cosmos, will be gathered to your son and be brought to the fulfillment of your purpose in him. And if we're unfamiliar with the term intercessory, uh, what is intercession? It, it, it is this. It's, it's defined by the Oxford Dictionary as this. The petitionary prayer on behalf of others, such prayer, implicit or explicit, forms part of almost all of Christian worship. And in particular, all of the traditional forms of the liturgy of the Eucharist. The beautiful thing about intercessory prayer is that we're not alone as we pray. We're not alone as, our, as we pray. Jesus is our great intercessor. He is the, the go-between, if you will, between us and God the Father. He's not only just our high priest, but the sacrificial Passover lamb and the Davidic king, the true temple, and the true Israel, and much, much more. This is who we pray to and through, as we pray to and through Jesus, to the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He intercedes on our behalf, seated at the right hand of the Father. I've, uh, the imagery is almost the, the nudging of the Father, the, the closeness of Jesus to the Father saying, this is, this is what I'm going to bring to you on behalf of our people. He, he continues to intercede. And so there, to this morning, as we look at John chapter 17, verses 6 through 26, I have four simple points. And as I said, we're going to try to move through this swiftly this morning. 
John 17, verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given to me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my full, my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them ever as you've loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is Jesus' intercessory prayer for his people. One of the first, po- the first point that I want to bring up, one, is that, that God is knowable. That God is knowable. There is an, an immenseness, uh, immenseness to God, and although we cannot know everything about God because he is inexhaustible, we can know God because he wants to be known, and he makes this possible through his son. In verse 6, he says, I have manifested your name to the people. I've made present. I have made tangible. I have made known who you are. God wants to be known. This is in sharp sharp contrast to the deistic understanding of God, 
Whereas God is not personal but distant, but that he's merely created and not involved. The deistic view that was shared by Einstein who said this, I believe in Spinoza's God who reveals himself in the ordinary harmony of what exists, not in a God who concerns himself with the fates and actions of human beings. Unfortunately, Einstein didn't, didn't read and understand what God had desired from the beginning, that, that people would know him, that he would be with his people. He is not an unknowable God, but he is knowable. No, we do not have a God that is absent and, and does not desire to be with his people. No, we have a God who is very present and active inside the lives of his people. So much so that God desires to know his people that he sent his son to be with his people. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is a God who hears. And why is this important? Is because when, when we pray, God hears our prayers and responds to his people. So this, this should really shock us in, in some regards that we are heard by God. To be heard by the one who created all things, that his creation, he would actually listen to his creation, is something that, that we should take pause in. And not arrogantly understand that, yes, the creator of all things should know and hear me. Not arrogantly understanding this, but humbly understanding the fact that the God who created everything hears us. It's, if you have children um, and you're doing something, there is a moment in which you may go, I need you to stop. Daddy's talking. There is this, there's this elevation, and maybe you were that child who was hushed, and maybe you still are, even though you're in your 20s. But this is, this is total in total contrast to what God does. God listens and he hears his people consistently, constantly crying out. Our children may ask of silly things, and they do, mine at least do, ask really silly things, and things that I don't think that they're ready for. And if you can imagine the father-son, father-daughter relationship of God is that that we ask God maybe sometimes very silly things, and yet he cares and he listens. This is the beauty of a God who hears. We have access to the throne room of grace because of Jesus. My second point this morning is that Christ makes intercession to the Father specifically on our behalf, his people's behalf. He says in verse 9, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. We have a, a special access to God as his people. Esther, as she enters into the king's courtroom, into his, into his, um, into his throne room, she waits she waits for the signal of him lifting his scepter to know that she is able to have access to him. The scepter is Jesus, and it is lifted up for us so that we may have access to the king. 
This is, this is not to be taken lightly. It is one of the most humbling and amazing of statements that Jesus makes here, that he is praying for you specifically. I don't, I don't know if, if your grandmother has prayed for you, and that's a humbling experience. If someone who you esteem greatly, uh, who is uh, maybe a mentor, uh, a parent uh, in the faith to you, that they pray on your behalf. When they say, I've been praying for you, and you haven't even asked to be prayed for, it is a humbling experience. But let us not forget that, that Jesus prays for us that he knows us by name. He knows us intimately and all of our flaws and all of our inconsistencies, and yet still he prays for us. That this is not something that, that we should just write off as theological knowledge, but it should humble us to the point of, of gratefulness, to thankfulness, that, that Jesus prays for us by name, that he knows us, that he is speaking to the Father on our behalf. Christ makes intercession for, for us, for you, for me. He intercedes on our behalf. Christ's intercession for us is founded in the truth of who God is. Because Christ prayed for us. This does not lead does not lead us into a place of arrogance, but should be leading us into a place of humility. Because we have access to the Father, the, the once the once uh, system of access to God was was placed um, for Israel in the in the sacrificial system that it had to go through a high priest for the forgiveness of sins for the intercession of his people. But Jesus is our intercessor. He is our high priest. He is the sacrifice who poured out his perfect blood for us, and he intercedes on our behalf. And I want to point out just. Very quickly, in verse 13, but he says this, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that, that they, my people, the people that I have called out, the people that I intercede for, may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He does not say that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves, that they may have joy fulfilled in their things, their hopes, their dreams, their uh, their accumulation of things, their accomplishments. But no, he asks on our behalf that we might have his joy. We may have his joy. And, and the fulfillment of Jesus' joy is found in the glory of God. The fact that, that we get to be a part of his story, not that he gets to be a part of our story, but that we get to be a part of his great meta-narrative. That our joy may be found in the fact that God is good. He is righteous. He is just. He is holy. That we may find his joy. Thirdly, Christ's intercession is not for our exodus but for our perseverance. 
I have asked many times in prayer um, to be taken out of a situation. I don't know if you've experienced this before, but chances are you have, where there's something happening, something uh, as far as persecution or, or just shame or, or situations that have caused me to feel overwhelmed, and I just want out. Life comes and gives us this, this problem and all we want is to just get out of the problem. And maybe sometimes life is the problem. It feels like everything is not going our way. How could we be here? And Christ, in his intercession for us, does not pray that we would be taken out of the world. He doesn't pray that, that we would be isolated from the situation that we're in. He says this, I do not ask, in verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. God's desire for us is not to be separate, to not be pulled out but that we are set apart in the context of our suffering, in the context of our struggle. Jesus does not desire for us to be taken out, but he desires that our faith would grow. One of the, the, the things that is very prevalent in this is when, when, when Jesus is talking to Peter, and, and he says, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. He goes on to say that I have prayed that your faith may continue and that you may go and strengthen your brothers. How can we accomplish those things? How can our faith grow if we are taken out of the situation? Our dependency on Christ, the one who is interceding for us, how can those things grow? How can we encourage our brothers who are going through the same thing? This is one of the beauties of the in-covenant membership here is that, that we get to encourage one another. We are in this together, that our faith may grow despite the, the complexities and the struggles and the pain, that our faith may grow in those situations that we may encourage one another. Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he is always living to make intercession for them. Saving to the uttermost, despite your situation, where you are, the context, the pain, the hurt, Christ can save, redeem, and draw you close. R.C. Sproul says this, we are able to persevere only because God works within us, within our free wills, and that because God, has, God is at work in us, we are certain to persevere. The decrees of God concerning election are immutable. They do not change because he does not change. All whom he justifies, he glorifies. None of the elect has ever been lost. And even in our struggle where things feel dark, 
He is near. And we are his, constantly being interceded for. And finally, prayer unites us to God and each other. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. This is us, by the way. This is us. Jesus in scripture is praying specifically for us today. All who will believe in me through their words, through the faithful testimony of the apostles. Charles Spurgeon says it's a very great privilege to be permitted to pray for our fellow men. He was very familiar with prayer. He has over 79 sermons specifically dedicated to prayer. And in verse 20, it says, do not ask for these only, but also those who will believe in me through their words. God's desire is that we would, that we, we would be with one another. He, he goes on to say the, the oneness, just as I am in you and you in me, that they would be in us. The great privilege of prayer is that we get to pray for one another that we get to encourage one another, that we get to go to the Father on another's behalf. This is a privilege, it is an honor, and yet it is our consistent call to pray for one another. George Whitfield says this, if we inquire why there, why there is so little love to be found amongst Christians, why the very characteristic by which everyone should know that we are disciples of the holy Jesus is almost banished out of the Christian world, we shall find it in the great measure owing to a neglect or superficial performance of that excellent part of prayer, intercession, or imploring the divine grace and mercy on behalf of others. It is... It is almost, I would say, required of us that we pray for one another. If we are to be known by the love for one another, how much more should we be known for praying for one another? There is not a small prayer. There is not a situation where um, that is not worthy enough to be brought up to the throne room of grace. I find myself doing this in my own life. I can handle that. I can do that. I can manage that. I don't need to ask God's uh, assistance in this area. And that's just simply a lack of faith and an overconfidence of self. So let us consistently plead with God on our behalf and on others' behalves. My hope and my prayer for us here at Liberty is that we would be a people whose minds, hearts, and lips would be filled with prayer constantly and consistently. If there is an area in which we can grow in our relationship with Christ and we can grow in our maturity, it is the area of prayer. Those who pray the most are also the ones that I've heard have said that they don't pray enough. That there's always more time, more concentration, more intentionality that could be devoted to prayer. My hope is that we would take every opportunity to pray, asking, God, asking the God who hears, who is present with us to act, because unlike anyone else, he is able to do that which only God can do, which is to draw men unto himself and to conform them into his image. So that being said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
for those of us who are far off, for those of us who are near. God, we need you. We need your presence. We need to know and be confident in the fact that you hear our prayers. God, guide us, direct us, encourage our hearts to love one another and to specifically pray for one another. Lord, thank you for this great privilege and honor of praying to you for your people. And we ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.